Hello everyone, I'm Samuel, mechanical engineer, and this is If It Is Stupid, But It Works, your podcast about technology, engineering, small details that make big difference. And sometimes uh, you have uh, big details that make a lot of difference. For example, if uh, you make a big decision, but what if uh, you have uh, small details that are there for a really concise reason and that is going to change uh, your whole design or how everything works or even if it works. That's why I'm here to explain you small things and small details that everyone loves, everyone likes. And, you know, we can also make it in a digestible format. We don't need a one hour for explaining everything on how something works. So now I will continue with the podcast and just a, a little bit of an apology. I couldn't make it uh, before. I have been sick uh, a little bit uh, these days. So please forgive me and let's go. So what's today's topic? It's a little bit more, maybe more dry, but also funnier. What uh, we are going to talk about today is standards, international standards, everyone's favorites. Mm. Do you want to know what's the distance between the pitch in a bolt? Yeah, you have to go to the standard. Do you want to know what's the common size for sheet metal? You have to go to a standard. Do you want to know what's the difference between bolt sizes in UK? You have to go to a standard. But of course, a standard covers a lot of things. There are a lot of important standard organizations. For example, I was just checking the list that there are out there online. And Let's say that almost each country has a different standard for technical standards. I'm talking only about those. And also you have international standards, standards that copy other standards from different countries and so on. So to give you an idea of, uh, for example, standards, that the international standards that we have, we have the ISO standard that uh, for me is the most important. Why? Because it's the one that is affecting me almost every day at work. But uh, we also have, for example, the standard on aviation or the standard of uh, electrical and electronics engineers. A lot of things, a lot of them that are really important. One is going to be more important than the others, depending on your field of uh, work. Maybe several of them are important to you. It's important that you know your standard, uh, depending on what are you working on. I think that's, uh, that's something that, well, Depending on the on the job, uh, they are going to forget and they are going to give you a manual and that is going to work. But if you know the standard, uh, it is even better. Why? At some point, you are going to communicate with uh, your supplier or you're going to communicate with your stakeholders and they are going to say, okay, yeah, what do you do this? What do you do this? Blah, blah, blah. And at some point, uh, the question will come, why is this value here? And if you can just point to a standard and say, okay, this is done via this standard, perfect. Nobody is going to question you. And if they have any kind of problem with it, well, they can request, okay, please don't use the standard, you, did, you use it another way. Is their problem done? They, is their choice? So you don't have the responsibility if uh, that fails because that standard was not, uh, you, you, they didn't accomplish that standard. Anyhow, I think that if you start looking into it, there are a lot of things, there are a lot of standards about different things, small details, big details, 
I'm not going to cover all of them. Uh, that's too much work. Nobody will care. This will take like weeks of podcast. So I'm not going to do that. What I'm going to do is something different. I'm going to have checked a list of uh, different standards that are out there. And sometimes from time to time you see oddities. Oddities that uh, make you wonder, okay, what is this? Who put this in my standard? Why is it needed? And let's say that, uh, yeah, sometimes you find things that are not, <laughs> are interesting, are funny to check. For example, we have the ISO 16, the standard on musical pitch. So there is a standard on how something should sound. Let's say that uh, it's, uh, I think it was funny. I think it's interesting to say that, okay, if you are creating uh, some kind of sound, it's important, of course, that every sound uh, has the same nose, uh, noise when uh, well, the same pitch, the same uh, volume as uh, something that is created with a different uh, machine, if it is the same type of sound. But I think it's interesting that, uh, well, standards go to that level, to things that uh, you don't think is uh, that important. For example, I know that happens uh, similar to Kind of similar, depending on company, depending on uh, exactly what you are looking for, but with colors. Some colors are also defined by, by standards on how they work, uh, especially for paint. And they have their own color codes. It is true that companies, sometimes they use their own names or their own uh, standards, but pretty much you can, you can compare one to the other. And that's important for painters. And it's the same with, uh, with the pitch. Well, if you have a device that is used to tuning a, a, an instrument, you need to have a pitch of that sound. And, well, if you have a standard for it, you don't have to worry about anything else. You say, yeah, I just follow the standard. I did what it is calling me here. So, that's the sound that uh, this instrument should produce. That's the pitch. I'm not, a, not really well versed on instrument, but I think it's, it's interesting. Also, we have the ISO 3100-03 on how to make tea. That's an, also an oddity. It's, okay, how should you prepare a tea according to the standard? What is a good tea according to a standard? Are going to have metrics for everything? But, okay, that uh, sounds silly, let's say. <laughs> let's be honest. Sounds really silly that someone is telling you, no, you are not doing the tea right. And I have this paper over here that tells me, okay, a lot of experts has, uh, has some meetings, a lot of experts has some uh, time for investigation, and, tell, and they have prepared this document, and that this document is telling me you are not making a good tea. Until you think a bit about it. So what do you need, why do you need a standard for the tea? I think it's mostly, probably it's uh, something so niche, but also, that maybe someone needed at some point. When you make, uh, for example, uh, coffee vending machines, or in this case, tea vending machines, on, well, for house purposes, or for the office, or something like that, you need, uh, well, how do you prepare a tea? And how do you make it right? What is a good quality of the tea? And what is something that okay, all customers are going to have the same, um, well, not all customers, all producers of Tea machines, vendor machines, designers of vending machines have to use the same to prepare a tea. In the end, uh, well, so someone has the need of that. So that's uh, why this standard has been created. 
Next one, I have a military standard. This one, I think, is quite funny. That is the MIL C4472. C that is the military standard on how to make cookies. Because, of course, uh, you have soldiers, uh, soldiers that are out there fighting for what, whatever kind of reason, and they need the cookies. And someone said, well, this is the right way to do the cookies. You cannot do it another way. Well, I don't think it's exactly like that. I think it was more like, okay, we need uh, our cooks to have some kind of way of uh, a manual or some kind of instructions on how to make cookies. So probably they just create that. It's like, okay, it's part. The cookies are part of our uh, diet for our soldiers. Let's give them some kind of uh, guidance on how to make them. So not all cookies are the same. And if uh, you are, your cookies are bad or <laughs> dry, well, you have a standard to complain about, but not to the cook. I think it's, well, it's, it's interesting. I have read that there are a lot of uh, military standards, especially for the USA, that are quite weird. <laughs> they have a lot of uh, instruction on how to do day-to-day -day basics. But, I mean, that's uh, <laughs> if, if they don't want to quantify it like that, okay, go ahead, uh, enjoy it. <laughs> what else can I say? But, but still, it's a quite an oddity. So next one, I have the standard for cigarette testing, flammability of mattress and furniture. This is the standard SRM1196A. And this is also interesting. I'm not going to say it's funny. I think it uh, falls more into the interesting oddities that are like, okay, how should you make or design furniture or mattresses in order that if you are smoking a cigarette on top of the bed something that people do i mean it's i'm not going to say it's quite common but it could happen easily and they fall asleep and they you know they leave the the cigarette in the bed is the furniture or the mattress going to be set on fire something is going to happen well there is a standard for that and i have seen the videos on how this this is tested and it's really fun they just uh, light up a cigarette, they put it on top of a, a cutout of a mattress, or maybe the whole mattress, depending on how you are testing it. At least the testing that I saw was on a mattress, not on furniture. And then just uh, let the cigarette burn, all of it. And if it starts a fire, well, your mattress is not qualified for this standard. And it's really simple, but I think also it could save a lot of lives. If you're, well, if you're a smoker and you find this kind of mattresses or furniture that can prevent uh, you from setting a fire in your house, maybe it's worth investment. And also, like, well, they don't burn, but it's for sure going to leave a stain. But uh, there, is, there is something that is going to be like out there. So an interesting standard. Someone thought about it and someone has accomplished it. Next one. We have the ISO IEC 521018. Codes for representation of human sexes. This one is also interesting because you will say, okay, representation of human sexes most likely is going to be male-female, but then you have nine that is non-applicable and you have a zero that is uh, not going to answer. And I think it's quite interesting that also someone made that standard for this. At the beginning, I would say, yeah, okay, someone is going to quantify, okay, there are two, two sexes, someone doesn't want to answer and maybe it's not applicable this question for what you are asking. But the fact that, uh, well, you are giving the, the, in this standard, the same numbers, always for the male, the same numbers, always for the female, 
that's also a little bit interesting for me. Like it's of course, of course, based on programming, based on things that you can do with a computer. But wow, <laughs> there's there is a, a level of detail that is uh, interesting that someone has thought about it. And then I have uh, two other uh, curiosities that are also quite fun, quite uh, interesting. That is, uh, for example, why uh, why the UK has uh, they drive in the other side, for example, compared to the rest of the world. Well, uh, results that uh, at least the legend says that uh, this is coming from the Roman Empire, that they ride on the left, and the reason is that they could uh, grab their sword with the right hand. So they just uh, keep uh, doing it uh, this way, and then Napoleon just changed it back uh, to the what we know uh, today. But in, in the UK and Ireland, they just keep it uh, doing it that way. Okay, I I don't think if it is true. I don't think it's hundred uh, percent sure or fifty uh, percent sure. That's uh, what I have uh, investigated. My investigation has uh, led me to. But I think it's interesting that sometimes the reason why your standards are there is because reasons that are no longer applicable. For example, I don't think a lot of people, maybe one or two, in the UK are going to, you know, drive on drive on the left just because they want to draw their sword and, you know, fight some bandits in the in the road. But, uh, okay, uh, I'm quite sure that uh, at some point someone has made a video of it. And the next one is the... Well, it's more like a legend in the end. I, I find out it's not totally true. But it's why the Spanish railways, railways are wider than the rest of Europe. And the first, uh, well, the legend says that is because the, well, the first engineers and the first uh, politics, uh, politicians that started uh, to develop the railroads in Spain were like, okay, you know what? If we connect to the rest of Europe with a, with a train, it is really easy for them just to come and attack us via train because, you know, that's a free road. Everyone can travel there. So they say, you know, you know what? We are going to make it uh, wider. So they, 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 can, they cannot use their trains here. And that was the reason that they gave me when I was in high school. I think it's a good reason. But recently I found out that uh, that's not the reason why or the standards of the railway in Spain are made that way. The reason is that the engineer who says uh, who was uh, creating the railways was like, you know what? I think Spain has a lot of mountains. Spain sometimes is uh, difficult to travel. The geography is not really nice. So maybe if we put wider railways, railways, we can make uh, bigger trains, and then we can push them harder uh, via the mountains. So let's do it that way. And uh, well, as you can imagine, that has a lot of repercussions. The same way that the uh, uh, well, the the states and other countries they have a imperial system, and the rest of the world is using metrical. The same is happening to the railways in Spain. It's uh, bad. Uh, you can you can don't have uh, that good of connections uh, for the trains, but it is changing now. Uh, for example, for the highest speed trains. They they are changing the railways, so they say, okay, we will adapt to the European standard and just roll with it because it makes more sense, creates better connections, and especially if you are designing new trains, you don't have to give that new specification to other com to other uh, companies that are outside of Spain. You will say, okay, yeah, standard railway widens, and uh, you just continue with it. 
and I think that that will help in the future. But those were the standards. Thank you everyone for yet another episode of If It Is Stupid, But It Works, your podcast about engineering. Well, again, I think it has been a long time without recording a podcast. I think more weeks than I should do, but I really enjoy it. I really enjoy talking to you and I really enjoy when you leave me any comments, you give me suggestions, you tell me, okay, this is wrong or this is right. And I really enjoy it when you share it and you like it. When you tell your family, your friends, your colleagues, hey, listen to this podcast, could be interesting for you. And as always, I am on iTunes, I am on Spotify, I am different media, I have also an Instagram, so you can contact me there. And of course, I hope you to hear, to listen to you next time. Bye bye.